Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine fanatics who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, we introduce you to a prominent woman and take a peek into her life and, of course, her favorite wines. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Catherine Scalati, who is featured in Wine Country Women of Napa Valley. Catherine is a Spanish teacher, an opera singer, a wife, a mother, um, a woman who just has it all. <laughs> Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. You are from the Napa Valley. You actually grew up here. Yep. Born so, in, in uh, Queen of the Valley in 1982. Yep. Oh my gosh. You told everybody <laughs> how old you are. Sorry. I like that vintage. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure your husband does too. <laughs> Not during birthday time. Oh. Well, t- tell me, um, how, how was it growing up in the Napa Valley? Well, I grew up in a little town named Angwin, and um, it's up on the hill, and I grew up in a university town, and um, it was very fun to grow up in Napa Valley because you had like these two separate communities. You know, I spent a lot of time down here at the library in St. Helena, um, which is where I live now. And then I had my friends up in Angwin and uh, was kind of born into the high school family, which is where my father taught. So, you know, we did not grow up in a digital society. So we just were spending time swimming, horseback riding, a lot of time spent with a core group of friends that we still do stuff to this day. And um, I I wouldn't trade all of those experiences for the world. It really helped me to be self-reliant. I'm a big sister, so I have the little brother mentoring. And it's it was quite an amazing experience to have two parents that were not involved in the wine industry. Um, my father's a teacher, my mother's a nurse, so we got to have that other side of um, the Napa Valley experience that was outside of the wine industry. So, Which I think is probably surprising to a lot of people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think most people, when they think of, of a, a wine region, they just mm-hmm. naturally think that everybody works in the wine industry. Or the culinary arts, right. you know. Yeah. That's true. So so in some ways, your childhood was probably a lot like most other childhoods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it just happened to be uh-huh. in this great place called the Napa Valley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so as you grew up here and, and you went to school, and to, wh- what did you get your degree in? Well, I got my BA in Spanish. I spent a year in Spain um, in the full immersion program and an AS in vocal performance and music. So I was already wanting to do all of these passions and I thought, might as well just get degrees in them. And um, at the end of my college career, I thought, well, I really want to teach. What am I going to teach? And I had already gone to Spain and I came right back, started my teaching classes and did all of my music classes as well, the theory, the history, all of the ensembles. So it it just really worked well for my milieu and what I wanted to create in my life. And I'm still using both of my majors every day. Which, is, Which is a rarity as well. It is. It wasn't always that way. You know, I right after college I worked at Meadowood and I was in the art industry and then I got back into education. So I was able to, right after college, like get really into the Napa Valley culture 
in addition to having that education background, which did help me in my human resources work. So it was great to be close to everything, being on the hill and then coming down just eight miles. It's not that far. So I was able to immerse myself as quickly as possible post-college. So you grew up here, you went to college, you started your career here in the Napa Valley, and then you found love with a local boy. Yes, I did. And uh, I just got goosebumps. There is photographic proof that we did know each other as kids, but I don't remember meeting him. We had a mutual friend, but yes, uh, we met officially in 2006 and knew each other as friends. He was always very very sweet and demonstrative in a very appropriate way, which I was like, wow, this guy is like, there's no one like him in the world. Like, who is this person? And um, yeah, and then we kind of moved away from each other and started dating again. And it was a match made in heaven because we both have similar religious backgrounds. And I've always wanted to be involved in the wine industry. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that in just a second. But having that um, immersion in the local culture it just it just made such sense and we just couldn't stay away from each other (laughs) well that's good it worked out well Um, you you got married Uh and recently had your first child he's almost one now and just learned to walk this week so I'm definitely running around more and the air conditioning is on more. Uh, but it's, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, we had him a year ago and got married in 2015 here in the Valley um, in both locations where I grew up and then the reception where Mario harvests a lot of his grapes. Yeah. So you're, you're keeping it local. Yes. For yes. sure. So I have to ask, we're in wine country. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, we're going to, talk about your wine business a little bit later but when we're sitting here in your home which is very cozy here in St. Helena <laughs> you heard the train <laughs> yes we love the wine train but I have to ask what do you drink at home uh wine wise? yes oh guy well you know I I was actually giggling about this with my friends I'm like there's there's your everyday wine you know right. that you you know you go to sales and pick it up and then um but you know my my husband was able to uh, come in contact with an awesome negotiant project and they have as uh, this cab franc that I just absolutely love it's it hasn't been you know we haven't labeled it yet but Mario's wines are incredible and um, we have some very good friends um, for example uh, our late winemaker Denis Malbec we love Notrevan Eleanor just I love red wine and um, but I'm falling more in love with Chardonnays as my husband is making a Chardonnay from the Muir Hannah Vineyard and uh, we did our first vintage this last year so I did not grow up drinking wine and so when I started working at Meadowood I was working at the restaurant at Meadowood and I just got this like huge crash course into wine and so I'm still learning but my favorite thing to drink with my friends and family are older vintages and so that's why I was joking about the 82 um you know, a Bordeaux 82 is really expensive to buy. So, but, but there's like these beautiful jewels that we have in this valley. Like we had a 1973 George Latour BV 
that both Mario and Denis, when he was still alive, brought to a dinner together. And what are the chances, you know? And so when you say, what do you drink at home? You know, we have our everyday wines, but we love to get together with friends and family and do blind tastings, you know, with dinner. So if you go to the Rutherford Wine Vault, which is where my husband has one of his businesses, there's all these empty bottles. And I'm like, (laughs) I think I've maybe tasted a lot of these, you know, and it's just been, that's our passion. We love old vintages. So, and you don't just break one of those open on a Tuesday night, you know. That's that's kind of where I come from, and you know, got to take care of the kids. Right? <laughs> you know, got to keep it. But yeah, I love older vintages. That's kind I think of where it's, I. I think it's fun to taste an older vintage next to its its um, current contemporary. Vintage. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I, I I completely agree, and we love um, heights. Uh, those are like some of the magnums we've been able to get on like crazy wonderful deals that you just happen to stumble upon or come across in the collection amazing you know awesome Freemark Abbey Charles Krug 1980 I remember one of those you know and just it's just great to come across these gems and see where a wine talking a lot about my husband he must be a huge part of my life (laughs) he 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 really knows how to find antiques and um, aged wine you know so it's been kind of fun and, to and see. And a beautiful woman. Oh, well, thank you. That's very <laughs> kind of you. So now, all of this being said, I have to ask, is there is there something that people might be surprised to learn about you? Well, uh, there's... I love video editing. <laughs> that's one thing that's really weird. That Okay. <laughs> When people you, say, I like. Do you do I, that late at night? Well, <laughs> I used sleep. to. You know, when you have a kid, you kind of go back, what the heck did I used to do with my time? Like, that's one of the things that I used to do. Um, when I worked with Oliver Caldwell at the Caldwell Snyder Gallery, he mentored me and taught me how to use iMovie. And I became obsessed with just taking funny clips. I actually, that was after the work, but during work, I would make videos about our artists. And so I kind of just got pushed into this in a good way to learning how to do this. And I love it. If if I had another job uh, that, I mean, it's kind of antisocial sometimes. We just sit in a dark room and edit. But I love it. I love creating right. a, a storyline. I, I did one for our honeymoon that's like almost two hours long oh my goodness you know and it was just so fun and I giggle to myself at night and Martin's like what are you doing oh dude you're gonna love this like you know and it's kind of I think that that's kind of surprising to people when they're like wow do you really and I I work in a technological environment and where I work so I work online as a high school Spanish teacher and I want to be as creative as possible to engage my kids and I was actually just lying in bed this morning like hmm my last intro to my year video that I made was two years ago. I need to update it. So I just kind of want to go around and video myself talking about importance of learning Spanish and all these different things. And I have that ability to just whip it together and it engages kids. So, well, I've I love doing you, that. <laughs> I've known you for a number of years and I had no idea. So, <laughs> so I think that a lot of people will find that to be a, a surprising yeah. that you have for yeah. skill. <laughs> it is random. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have about wine country? I've often had people say, like, what do you 
what do you do all day? This is like a vacation spot. Like, how do you ever get any stuff done around here? You know, and, and it's it's kind of funny to hear that because, as I mentioned before, I did not grow up in the, the thick industry. of the wine industry. Mm-hmm. So I know life in this valley apart from, you know, all of the, the elaborate wine dinners or the fundraisers that we do right. and the charity dinners. And they're all incredible. And believe me, I want to go to every single one of those. But... It's just like we we really do have everyday life stresses and, you know, being married to a winemaker, you know, around harvest, especially, you know, <laughs> when a natural disaster hits like last year, you know, it's we do have all of those other things that people are like, well, you know, it's so quiet and peaceful and, you know, it's like Tuscany and yada, yada, yada. Well, it's beautiful. And sometimes I feel that the kids that I grew up with sometimes needed to move away because they were almost desensitized by the continuous beauty. They and need to reappreciate it. Yeah, and, yeah. And you having grown up in a different mm-hmm. area and coming here and it's like when you see it for the first time, I never saw it for the first time. Right. I've seen other, you know, uh, people bro- react to it. Yes, yes. And I've been to other places where I've been like, oh my gosh, it's like on my honeymoon with Tuscany. It was like, this is incredible. Very comparable to home but still you're just like (gasps) but every day I'm still blown away by it and I have not wanted to move away and I am digging my claws into the ground (laughs) you know I I just um but it's been funny to hear people go how do you get stuff done people just think that you people just drink all day or get fat and eat all the time it's like no we have lives that we have to it's a real life we have to be productive and we have families and we have loved ones and hobbies and um so I thought that that's kind of funny I think I think there's a lot of truth to that (laughs) that people think all we do is drink wine and how do you think the good wine is made hard work a lot of hard work exactly exactly Want more on today's interview? Purchase Wine Country Women of Napa Valley. It's available on our website at winecountrywomen.com. Well, I think that's a good segue to talk about your career. Okay. And you did talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you worked locally at Meadowood. Mm-hmm. You worked at Caldwell Gallery um, before you really started to hone your mm-hmm. skills in in uh, Spanish. Mm-hmm. As a Spanish mm-hmm. teacher, and and then of course you've always had this angelic voice, oh. <laughs> um, which is spectacular, folks. If you have a chance to hear her sing, you'll be blown away, literally. But <laughs> tell me about you know your teaching children online Spanish. Tell me about that experience and how that's rewarding. I mm-hmm. imagine that it is, but but you're not, you know, you're not sitting across mm-hmm. um, the desk from yep. a student, so it's mm-hmm. it's got to be a little bit different. So tell me about that experience and, and why you chose to teach that way. Yes, so going back to what I said, what I did right after I got out of college, my Spanish really improved going into the workforce because I had to interview everybody in Spanish that were non-English speakers that happened to be working at Meadowood. So again, how I was pushed into the, you know, video editing, 
oh man, I got to do this every day. So my skill, I was book smart in the college setting with the Spanish. And then I really had to um, just apply it. Yeah. With my conversation. And it would just, just opened up all of these wonderful doors to my Spanish skills. And I just started to fall in love with it all over again. And then, then I went to Caldwell Snyder working with all of our Spanish speaking artists. And then I went to Calistoga High junior senior high school and I was in the front office and I would work with Spanish-speaking families all day long as well and on the phone which I found to be a very difficult skill to learn but then once I honed in on that then I was like okay I got this so then going into using my teaching credential at Connections Academy it completely changed who I was working with because now I'm working with children who don't know a lick of Spanish and I'm not speaking it all day. So I do miss that. But I was just talking to a, a Dutch gentleman this morning and he kind of like raised his eyes like, you teach this online? And I said, you know what? It's Spanish one. You're opening up the doors to a child who may never have really thought about studying a language. And here you are, all of the curriculum is there for them. They can print everything out. They can highlight everything. They can come to my lessons once a week, to all of my practice sessions. They can see my face on the, you know, the Adobe Connect interface that we have. Oh, super. Right. Yeah. And it's, I always tell the kids, and I love them to learn life skills. I said, you know what? You may not learn so much Spanish like you would in an immersion environment, but the life skill that I want you to learn is you get out of life what you put into it. And I've learned that uh, every step of my career changes and everything. And um, whatever they want to get out of this online school experience, <laughs> they got to put into it. They got to do the work. They got to do their lessons. They got to do them on time. They have to take the attendance and everything. And it's a family effort. You know, the learning coaches are there taking care of the kids. So it's a beautiful experience for the kids to learn Spanish. And this is a K-12 school. I mean, it's it's all subjects, all ages. It's all or nothing. You're not, the kids aren't there just to take Spanish from me. They're taking history and math and science. So they're really having to understand how to apply themselves and be self-disciplined. And it's not for everybody. Just as as a teacher, I love it because I have the flexibility of working from home. I can teach how I want to in what part of the curriculum I want to expand on. Okay. It's not for everybody. Right. You know? And are you teaching all age all ages? I'm doing mostly ninth through twelfth grades. Nine through 12th. I have a couple okay. of middle schoolers, but the majority of my kids are ninth and tenth graders. And I kind of smile and giggle to myself thinking that I remember how much I didn't want to talk to my teachers <laughs> as a ninth grader. Be the teacher that they want to call, Katie. Like, be that teacher that they go, oh my gosh, I, I had one kid in living music one and two, sign language one and two, and Spanish one. I've had her like five times oh my over the course of her four years. So <laughs> she's like, I don't want to leave Connections because I just loved working with you so much. And that is why I teach, just to make the difference in a handful of kids' lives that they just want to continue to be passionate about the subject that I teach. And people say, what do you teach? I teach students. And I happen to teach the subject Spanish, you know? So, and where are those students? All over the state of California. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever met any of oh, them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
and I love going to, I'm in charge of graduations for Northern California. Oh, super. So yeah. I get to meet them at graduation and see them after, maybe I only taught them, oh, my husband's called, only taught them when they were a ninth grader and now they're a 12th grader and I'm looking through the roster. I'm like, oh my God. And I find them in the crowd and I'm like, I'm Mrs. Scalati. I was Hopgood when I taught you. Oh. And we connect and we hug and we take a picture and with their permission, I post it on social media if that's okay, you know, right. and, and the kids befriend me after they graduate and it's just it's a precious circle of life to see that happen so I do get to see them on field trips and beginning of the year picnics and middle of the year picnics and end of year picnics it's just you know well that's neat because I think if you only had the computer relationship you know it it might not be as satisfying and that goes for the kids too they Mm -hmm. they need that socialization and um there are certain kids that it works well for them to be, you know, locked away, more antisocial, like not going out every day. But then there are kids who are like, we cater to Nathan Chen, who was in the Olympics. That was our student. So we make it possible for him to have a flexible schedule so he can go practice. And that's just one category of kid that we, you know, we that meet you, their needs. That's very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, and you've been doing this for how long? Since 2014. And you plan to do it? For as long as I can. As long as it'll help me. Forever. Um, But you do other, you you have other... um, Passions. Passions, yes, that (laughs) occupy your time as well. Yes, yes. You do sing, as as I alluded to. And where can people hear you sing? And how did you develop, maybe first I should ask, how did you develop this great appreciation for singing and... Um, well, um, I grew up with a mother who loves to sing yes, and has a beautiful soprano voice. My grandfather was a professional tenor, um, a great yodeler, <laughs> which my brother inherited that talent. It's really funny. Anyways, and so, um, but yeah, I just, music was always there. You know, I've had this piano in my life since I was five years old. And very, very neat. This couch as well. <laughs> um, and then uh, it's just always been a part of my my blood. And I just started singing in in choirs like age eight, third grade, and been doing it ever since. And then once I got to high school, I started getting solos. And then once I got to college, I was like, you know, I'm going to take it to the next level. As I told you guys before, I was already wanting to take the lessons, so I decided why not get a degree in it. Right. And I was in a couple of plays. I played Hoddle and um, Fiddler on the Roof. Sorry, I keep looking at West Side Story. I did not play Maria yet. Um, <laughs> that's a goal. But, you know, it, it was it was always something that just brought me so much joy and literally a, a endorphins. You know, it just makes you feel so much happier. You see people smiling. You catch yourself smiling. I have felt gross to my stomach and just start singing and I feel better, you know, so it's, it's a magical thing that I feel is a God given talent. Like some people can ice skate. I can't do that for the life of me, but they can. I'll try to sing. So, um, and it transforms you. Yeah, it does. It's, it just makes you so happy. And to see the look and the eyes of my child and to see him trying to go, ah, like he's trying to sing and, you know, they, they pick up on the passions of their environment and the people that they love. So, we can only hope that he'll like singing one day, but whatever. So where yeah. can people potentially hear you sing? Well, August three and five, the fabulous screw tops, which is the cover band I'm involved with. We, 
are singing cover songs and I, that's like total rock and roll singing like right um Joan Jett and you know B-52s and Blondie that kind of stuff um that's here in Rutherford at the Pistoni family winery where you have two gigs but um that's that side and of of my passions but classically I've done a lot of work like it it I, I sing a lot in memorial services and funerals. It's, it's, right. it's really, it's part of my ministry and my church family. I love doing that for families who are just at their, they're struck in with grief. You know, is there anything I can do? Yeah, can you sing for us? So I do that. And then church services, um, sang at the White Barn a number of times here in St. Helena with the, um, the Garden family. And, oh God, just, just a bunch of weddings, uh, but a lot of local churches is kind of where I do the day-to-day. I'm singing at the Methodist Church this Sunday. <laughs> uh, so if you're in the Napa Valley, you just need to Google Catherine Scalati yeah, and I'll see where up. she's performing next. <laughs> that sounds like yeah. the best thing to yeah. do, right? Yeah. yeah, and we actually have a joke in our little family here that I am the um, seller apparatics. We... I always get called to at, and to, to sing in a cave right, or to the our, barrels. The, yes, to the barrels, which it's, is exactly what we did in the book. Correct. You see me singing to the barrels and the acoustics that will take place in a live environment like mm-hmm. that are just mind boggling. So um, I like to do that, and that we, which I think we should we should talk about. Yeah, um, yeah. That's your. Your, involvement. your husband and mm-hmm. you have a, a new wine brand mm-hmm. called Rome mm-hmm. and you sing to the to the barrels mm-hmm. to help enhance the flavor. Yeah. Yeah. And so. it's living. It's uh, we as living beings like music. And I've known the documentaries that we've watched about places in Burgundy, like they play classical music to the barrels and why and why the, <laughs> I've seen them in Italy they have speakers in the vineyards. Yeah. Yeah, and and as people would, again, roll their eyes and say, oh, that's so pretentious. It's, no, just as a baby in your belly loves hearing music via via belly buds or whatever, it's still, it's a living thing, and it's, you know, the moment you pop that cork, it's in your body, and it's, you're you're taking on, it it takes on the energy, and I know that there's energy in music, and um, as I mentioned in the write-up in the book, our late winemaker, Denis, really believed in the power of music, and he would close his eyes as he was blending as if he were a conductor, summoning in the trumpets and then the strings and just kind of looking at the different clones and different barrels and how he would blend them, all with his eyes closed. And then he would just have that moment of clarity and like, this is what we need to do. And my husband completely believes the same philosophy and the art and the science that is winemaking and that is music um, and how they are married in that relationship together. So when do we get to test that? We're releasing like <laughs> this month. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Super. So yeah, it's you can find our wine at Acme. <laughs> you know? And what varietal is it? Um, we're releasing the Cabernet Sauvignon from mm-hmm. Yauntville. This from the Sleeping Lady Vineyard 2015. Well, that's that's exciting. So it's if, very exciting, and it's delicious. And so, if you wanna if you wanna know firsthand mm-hmm. what a wine tastes like that's been sung to and romanced mm-hmm. and seduced, you need to <laughs> buy the Rome wine. Right? Amen. Amen. And you can find it at Acme right here in Saint Helena. <laughs> yep.
Mm-hmm. So that's great. One last question about your career. Mm-hmm. Um, was there one person that was a significant influence or who you consider a mentor through the course of your career? Well, as I said earlier, I was trying to be that teacher that kids want to call, mm-hmm. that they're not afraid to approach. My who instilled that? Well, my first grade teacher experienced me falling in love with her teaching and who she was. I was such a little mama's girl, would not, I didn't go to preschool, I didn't go to kindergarten, I didn't want to leave because I didn't like my teachers. But then once I met Mrs. Strunz, that's her name it was at the time, completely, that's changed my world, like game changer. So she is the reason why I wanted to be a teacher to do what we can do to kids and inspire them to come to learning without fear with abandon you know just to come in um but my father was a teacher for 30 years and I get all like my parents are my heroes my mom was an ER nurse for 30 some odd years 35 years my father's a teacher for 30 years and it's it's the still wow to still have his kids who graduated in 1982 and 83 come up to me and say he was my favorite teacher at reunions that means something. Absolutely. That changed their lives. We had Karen Miller Hahn like come into our living room right where you're sitting and do an ultrasound on me. Well, like a video ultrasound and my father taught her biology and that's oh where she realized that she, how much she wanted to be in the biological sciences. I mean, how so full circle is that? Yeah, you're literally changing <laughs> lives. So, so having that involvement with all these different subjects that you may teach children you're teaching the child the child the student and um they really helped me understand what it was to be a teacher and how to be passionate about your students and just be so dedicated and do whatever you can to make it interesting to keep them engaged you're acting you are engaging you are entertaining and they both did that for me. But you're all, I mean, if you're successful, mm-hmm. you're also um, changing a child's uh-huh. life. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that that's so powerful. It, it is. It is. And you can, everybody who's listening to this, I just want you to like think back on the teacher that made a difference in your life and reach out to them because it would make my a difference for me if I were 60 or 70 to get somebody a, a Facebook message from that kid that I taught you know 40 years ago and it just it just makes your life so much like it's amazing rewarding. like <laughs> rewarding, rewarding and and it's it's not an easy job it is not an easy <laughs> job you know you hear the whole thing <laughs> no, it's, it's 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 you know it takes dedication so on both parts the student yeah and every the but every job does right but, you know it's uh thank your teachers <laughs> well on that note i want us to um end with five quick questions okay so i'm gonna ask i'm not looking i'm gonna ask these <laughs> questions and i don't want you to think too hard about them about the answers okay so what's your favorite music group Oh my goodness, Uh, Pink Floyd. What's the weirdest thing in your purse right now? A diaper. (laughs) Who's the last person you wrote a handwritten note to? My husband. What's your go-to karaoke song? Love Shack. (laughs) What is your favorite grape varietal? Um, Cab Franc. 
And what's the one favorite restaurant in wine country that you can't miss? <sighs> Just one. Oh we know there's a hundred. Farmstead. Okay. Farmstead. <laughs> Sorry, it's been there forever. <laughs> okay, well, that's it. Um, thank you so much, thank Katie, you. for being with us today. Thank you for tuning in to listen and learn about the women featured in our lifestyle books and involved in our business. Share these episodes on your social media platforms so more people can learn about Wine Country Women. Visit our website at winecountrywomen.com to join our list and be the first to learn about exclusive offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new episode of Wine Country Women.